Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, friends. It's Sarah May. And this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Ned, maker of organic CBD products. And I know that CBD is really popular right now, uh, and there are a lot of products out there. And just like when you bite vitamins, it can be kind of overwhelming to find a manufacturer with ingredients that you trust. And that's one reason I feel really good about recommending this product is I actually like it and I trust it. Um, And I think that this CBD is more effective because of the quality and in part the process um, they use to get the CBD out of the plants. So if you are looking for a natural product to try for something like anxiety or insomnia or maybe you have really bad cramps, I would start here. And if you're interested in the science, they also post all of their lab results online. So I invite you to check out helloned.com slash helpmebeme. Enter helpmebeme at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Thanks. Hi, friends. So this episode is about neck up living. And by that, I mean when you are operating purely from an ego or brain focused perspective and you're kind of you're on a routine, you're on a hamster wheel. And when we get into this mode, I would call it like a machine mode of going through the motions. We are kind of on an autopilot of sorts and we're operating from the neck up. That's when our life's decisions are based off of what we think we should do, um, underlines under the word think and should. And this isn't the most important information at all times. Yes, it's what serves us in terms of survival, but the brain isn't the smartest organ when you remove the influence of what your heart desires and what your body needs and maybe what you actually want for yourself holistically, if that makes sense. So with that, if you feel like you've been very ego-driven or just on a loop, like a nonstop loop of making shit happen, maybe you're a caregiver to multiple people, maybe you also work full-time, or maybe you are just under a lot of stress all the time at work, you could get into that habit of just just going through your routine and like handling shit as it's thrown at you without stopping to consider if this is what you want. So if you've noticed a feeling of dissatisfaction or emptiness, or perhaps you feel like I should be happier, then this is an episode for you. As with all my episodes, there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. Motoring through a litany of things you have to do or should do, whether that's for achieving at a high level at work, or maybe it's your appearance, or maybe that's you're a caregiver and you also have a job and you also have, you know, to take care of a household. So you're just in a never-ending list of things to do until you go to sleep at night and then you wake up and you do it all over again. So when was the last time you made a decision based on your holistic wants? Like all of you, including, let's say, your heart area. I know that's a kind of a weird amorphous type of thing to think about, but like basically your gut and all the rest of you. 
everything but your brain versus your computer. And do you even know what the difference is? Like, can you discern a difference between something that your brain knows you should do and makes you do and something that your whole self wants? So, Because the way I'm kind of dividing these two things, yes, I know we're using all of ourselves at all times, but like when we're really brain-driven or ego-driven, we are um, operating almost like based on a computer program. Like you could be completely participating in your entire life and never actually stop to feel it and engage with it on that level. Like you might not even know if you enjoy it because you can be so focused with to-do lists and thoughts and just the rational side of things. So the way, way I'm dividing these two is like one self takes into account the emotional while the other one is solely rational based on should. And I'm really drawing this line for the benefit of those of us who get stuck in that should or in the rational, like we're in the manager. Let's call it the functioner. And that's the machine that just has to deal with a shitstorm of grown-up responsibilities. And that's the self who can work and work and check off boxes and fill out the new to-do lists infinitely. But then when you slow down, you realize there's this whole other self that has been neglected. And that self maybe doesn't like all that stuff. So as a part of this what, I want to ask you, when you slow down, do you feel sad or lonely or something else that you don't want to feel? I have another question for you if you never slow down. Do you feel differently about your life than you think you should? Meaning, does your conscious opinion of your life and its ingredients betray how you actually feel about living it? Like, do you have constant moments of, I should be grateful, I should be happier, I should be enjoying this, but you're not? Like, you're dissatisfied? Maybe, do you feel resentful of your responsibilities, or do you feel jealous of others with different kinds of lives that are more driven by their personal wants? Or maybe do you feel guilty for not feeling happy in what you have? Because maybe you feel like, ah, oh, what I have is great. I should be really happy with this. So if you are noticing that misalignment in like what you think you should feel and what you actually feel, then I would say that's a very clear symptom that you are operating as like kind of a separate entity. Like your mind isn't listening to the rest of you on several fronts. And maybe you're conscious of that happening. And if that's the case, it is what it is. I think we all go through periods of life when we have to just function and manage and deal with what life is throwing at us. But it's really important that you keep perspective on the reasons you're doing that. Because I call that living at the cost of yourself versus for yourself. So if this is temporary and this is your plan based on a place you will get to, and that place you will get to will alleviate all of these other things and will benefit you in your future in some way. Like, I get that. So be it. Keep your eyes on the prize. Um, that is a, you know, more power to you. But I really do feel like you have to make sure you're taking breaks enough to take care of your body. However, if you are doing this because you've been unconscious about it, this is a, this is something that I think begs some more exploration. Because we can go through decades like this, completely unconscious. And one day you wake up and you're like, I'm miserable and I'm 50. Or 
oh, wow, my marriage just fell apart and I didn't even notice it was happening. Like there's these types of things are like um, they're easy to ignore because busyness is like its own soothing mechanism. It's its own addiction. If you are in the other camp, maybe this is something this routine you're in is because you have to do it. Like you're, you're doing it out of a need to survive. I get that too. Um, it's kind of like you're you're hiding behind a shield because you're being pelted by stones and in order to you can't move because you'll get hit by a stone. However, if you're in that loop, you still have got to consider that there is a route to creating more balance in your life. And you have to make that process of finding balance a priority. Because if it was somebody else that made you do it, you would do it. It's like you are the person that has to choose to make it important. And then it will become important. I think when we are in a place of survival and we're just like grasping constantly at making it through a day, we don't feel like we get to choose anything. And that's an illusion. Like there's always gray. No matter how black and white things seem, there's always a little bit of gray. So for everybody else, if you don't know how or why this is happening in your life, but you just feel like dissatisfied and you know that there's a misalignment between your actual happiness and what you think you should feel, then I would say, yay, this is the start of your personal excavation process. Which brings me to part two, the why. Well, when we get into a routine of high functioning, air quotes, I would say it's like a version of unconsciousness. Like we fall into a set of programmed motions. And when it comes to stressful routines, like we have the, you know, high that is cortisol flooding our bodies and testosterone. And then we were just kind of getting addicted to it via doing the same thing over and over again. Like it's kind of like a natural Coke bender. And in addition to the stress chemical gush process there's also the power saving mode that the brain goes into when you get into a routine so it's it's a lot more attractive to the brain it feels better to do the same thing the same way because then you don't have to waste energy trying something new like to actually go somewhere new it feels like less positive it feels less attractive to us because it's different and dangerous somehow like it, it takes a lot more energy for us to confront it and plan it out so separate from all of that stuff that's kind of like your physical conditioning of the routine there's also the ingrained should voice that creates a lot of our routine to begin with like I feel like a lot of us live the lives we feel like we should in order to not feel behind or feel insecure or feel like we're fucking up somehow. It's like we rely on external ideals. And for you, that might be uh, in order to feel like I'm health conscious I'm a, or I'm a successful intellectual adult or in order to feel like I'm a good mom or in order to feel like our family has its shit together, I have to do XYZ and I have to have XYZ and I have to have this kind of job. I have to have this kind of car. I have to have these kinds of activities. I have to have this type of list of, you know, brands in my house. It's like all of those ideals bring with them a prescribed list of things we should quote unquote do. However, hidden to our hearts and our gut, I would say, is the fact that when we consume the right products and do the quote right activities and we promote this particular ideal to ourselves and to our peers we are just abating that feeling of emptiness and lack 
We're just abating a feeling of insecurity. It doesn't create the feeling of fulfillment that's lasting, that's um, from within. Because the lasting fulfillment never comes from stuff, never comes from external qualifiers like badges. It comes from what is driven by that which resides within. Like it's the stuff that comes from you that is an expression of who you are truly. And therefore, it requires that we have a strong connection to what that is, to who we really are. And that means we have to be actually able to hear that voice and we have to actively listen to that voice and express it. We have to even know that it exists. And it's a confusing thing. Like, if you wanted to, you know, if we were to take an alien from outer space, plop them on planet Earth and give them a smartphone, they would very easily be able to collect all of the right things, all of the qualifiers to be a successful individual. They would have all of the information they need fed to them via all the channels that we consume every day, television, on Instagram, on Facebook, on everything would be taught to that alien and they would be able to collect all the stuff to function and look like uh, a, a person who has their shit together, who's happy. However, that wouldn't equal the actual genuine feeling of all of those things. It's just having a lot of stuff. So if any of you took a media studies class in college, you know that the amount of content we take in via pop culture just tells us a standard that we have to then conform to. Otherwise, we feel like we're messing up. And it's, it's constantly a goalpost that moves farther and farther out. It's like an ever-growing list of things we have to have in order to be at the optimal standard of living for our particular position in life. And it's really hard not to subscribe to that stuff, you know? It's really hard to ignore that list. The right stuff, the right car, the right clothes, the right lunches, the right purse, the right brands, the right hobbies, the right shows, the right style of social posting, etc. So that identity becomes in itself a job. Like, it, it's almost like a routine that's standardized for all of us. And we have to maintain it in order to abate that feeling of lack. And that feeling of lack is also reinforced by the long list of standards, the goalpost that keeps moving out farther and farther and farther and farther. So it's like a hamster wheel that we all are unconsciously on all the time. And some part of us will feel okay when we can keep it up. And also, I would say, like, a large part of us probably likes a lot of things, you know, in that collection of stuff. It's like, it's nice. It's like nice to have. It's nice to have pretty things. It's nice to eat pretty food. It's nice to have, you know, beautiful photographs. Um, I'm not trying to say all of those things you love to consume are bad. I'm only trying to highlight the things that paint a veneer over a possible sense of longing that exists in a deeper part of yourself in your life. Because that veneer takes so many hours to manufacture and maintain. It's like that, collecting all that stuff can become your job. They say that about being a drug addict. They say that being a drug addict is a full-time job. And that's true. You spend hours every day procuring the money, making the phone call to the drug dealers, going to get the drug, waiting at the place where the drug dealers told you to go. Then you're going to find a place to consume the drug. And then you're wasting the rest of the day high on the drug. It's like that is the same type of thing that you could apply to the supposed to do stuff in our lives. 
And there's a whole other set of things when it comes to your particular career path. You know, there's all sorts of things that we're supposed to do in order to be good at whatever job, to be successful in such and such industry, to maintain this, our particular status at XYZ um, job description. So we have like almost multiple jobs that we assign ourselves based on external feedback and what other people tell us is important. So that's one half of this functioner routine of unconsciousness. Let's say the other half of you are in the hamster wheel that is attached to the lives of those you love. Like maybe you are in a nonstop loop of handling a shitstorm of responsibilities for children or um, parents, aging parents, uh, somebody else that you're taking care of. That machine can run and run and run forever, but maybe there's one day when there's stillness and there's a sense of resent and longing and um, claustrophobia and overwhelm and devastation. All of those feelings exist regardless of whether or not you're aware of them. And it, it matters that that exists because what happens is when the void has grown to a dangerous and almost terrifying scale, that's when you break down. So if you feel exhausted by your life right now, and if you feel cheated by how much you do and others don't, you, my friend, are on a hamster wheel in part of your own making, which is something that you have to acknowledge and stop. And I, I know that it's like easier said than done, always. But I will say the one key just symptom of a high-functioning person, uh, a person in both of these giant buckets is the black and white thinking that person often says but I can't I can't stop I'm, I can't there's no room for me to stop doing what I'm doing currently because everything will fall apart it's so they're so black and white it's like there's no wiggle room and that's our brain's definition of reality it's not the truth of reality that's just an excuse for you to keep going exactly as you are and that's because partly you can't, it's like when you can't see another alternative way of being, you feel like your hands are tied behind your back, but that doesn't mean that you can't discover a new tiny area of gray. It just means you have to make that process important. And that means you have to make you slightly more important than you have been. Because there is a very large gray area that exists. And that, just that simple idea is what I want you to hold on to and chew on right now. Because I'm not asking you to change everything in your life. I'm just asking you to realize there are many tiny little opportunities for more gray that you can alter your habits on a day-to-day -day basis to invite into your life. And just to even decide that you care enough to try that. Because this is really about baby steps toward a, a different kind of muscle memory one that places importance on what the feeling, longing side of you wants as well. Like the neglected, I would say almost truer side of you wants as well. And it doesn't mean this self it like wants to just be lazy and sleep more. This self might actually be equally productive, but on in a totally different direction. I feel like the reason in part that a lot of the time we neglect 
this part of ourselves is because it's inconvenient, because it doesn't follow the plan that we think we should follow. It's almost like the threat of replanning our lives becomes too overwhelming, so we just ignore it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's true. It doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be harder than the life you have now. It could be a lot easier and it could be a lot better. And I will say regardless of what you're experiencing now and what you're thinking like, oh, I just don't want to start things over again. I don't want to open that can of worms. It could be something that's so much less traumatic and dramatic of a change than you think it is. It's really about having the will to have curiosity about what that feeling is coming from. Like it's, I feel like it's so easy to run from those types of emotions and say like, oh, I just can't, I don't want to deal. Like things are great right now. I'm doing really well in my career or I just have to keep going. But like, if you don't feel that satisfied, like what's that feeling coming from? It could be something that's like very solvable. You just have no idea from where you are now. And I will say like the answer is not baked from where you sit today. So like the idea that you could solve everything from today right now is preposterous. Like this is an unfolding process. It's always like an organic kind of blooming that happens on its own time in its own way. It's like an exploration. And that's a that, that's what make it, makes it fun and, and beautiful. It's not like icky and, and terrible. So I think this is a really about curiosity and making that process important. And because when we can start to deliberately make this other part of ourselves important just by handing it the mic, it starts to become more validated and actually speak up. Like you might not be able to hear it for a while because you're so used to just functioning, functioning, and going through the list of things to do, operating based on an external set of requirements of you. And as soon as you start to like ask yourself like, hmm, what do I want to do right now? It might, you might hear like crickets. You might be like, I have no fucking clue what I want to do. Don't freak out though. That's just like I think a, pr- a part of the process of like creating space. If we're not used to having space, it can feel very uncomfortable. Almost like I'm wasting time. I'm wasting time. Why, why am I just waiting? But just know, again, this is less black and white machine mode self, more about new tiny habits that just been, begin to hand the microphone over to your heart and your gut, asking yourself, like, what is it I really want for myself? Not what should I do? Like, how can I honor that self more frequently in small ways in just gestures of toward a new way of being um, and deciding that that is important. And I will say, like, if this is a kind of an old cheesy metaphor, but, like, if you think about, like, your car, getting your car uh, maintained will make your car last longer. The same goes for your soul, like your body and your soul. It's not about becoming less productive. It's about becoming more productive because just think about when you're happy, like when you are happy and fulfilled everything is easy. It's like going to the grocery store. It's amazing. What am I going to buy? It's like you feel like joyful to the point where it's annoying to other people. And when you feel the opposite, when you feel like I've neglected myself, I'm run down, I'm just like going through the motions. It's like you might as well be like a, a machine. There's not really a human there. So with that, here are a few tools to get you started in this process. Part three, the how. All right, the first tool I'm calling machine highlighter. So I'm handing you a bright yellow highlighter. I'm inviting you to ask yourself 
throughout your day, how you might have unknowingly turned yourself into a high-functioning machine. So shutting off the want-need voice in favor of the should voice. And this is just about like recognizing the should voice. And the should voice might bring with it like a lot of self-importance. It might be feel very justified, might kind of get off on that, you know, like I'm powerful, I got to do this, I'm, I'm, this is part of my identity as a blank, like, so just as a start, simply observe, like when you're being piloted by hell 9000 in your brain. And I'm only asking you to differentiate the like, just subtly draw a line between like, this program that's running in your life, whatever list of, you know, shoulds you have, and perhaps another witness inside of you that's just you, you know, that's just silent. Because like, we have a lot of programs that just run on autopilot. If you think about yourself in a meeting, I don't know if you have to go to meetings in your day to day life, but like, every person in that room can somewhat function on autopilot, you can almost predict with certainty, all of the conversations that everyone in that room will have. So that's kind of what I'm pointing out. What's the difference between your programs running and the possible other self that's just witnessing? All right, the second tool is called machine mode reflection. So this is to do, I guess you could do it in your brain or on your phone or in a journal. Um, so I wanted to invite you to recognize just the ratio of time in your life. You are the most neck up, meaning not in your body, not doing stuff for yourself. Like what is the thing you do throughout your week that takes the most time? And then just ask yourself, is that thing a source of happiness and a source of feelings of achievement and um, genuinely rewarding for you? Or do you move through it from a state of like neck up functioning? Like are you in pure machine mode while you are doing that thing? And maybe it's split, you know, maybe um, there's like a, you know, I do both, but I just want you to notice like what just block out your day, like what's an average day? And what are you doing throughout that day? And like, are you conscious during that, that list of things? Just an observation. And if you notice any lopsided ratios, like if you're operating based on like an energy saving mode and I'm just like going through the motions, going through my routine, like when is that self, when is your self coming out? Or are you deliberately keeping that quote true emotional feeling self kind of, you know, playing a video game in the corner for your entire day? This is just like about data gathering, like noticing ratios and imbalances perhaps. All right. The next tool is called find your switch. So you know those toys um, that you have like a switch on the back and it's usually hidden under like a Velcro, very tight outfit. And you have to hunt around on the back under the clothing to find the off switch or the on switch or the talking mode switch. So I want you to picture you have the same thing and I want you to hunt around on yourself for the same switch. And this is an imaginary switch, obviously, that you are going to flip when you know that you need to turn off the neck up. You need to turn off the computer. And this is really just about mentally delineating a divide between those two modes. On is computer, you know, computer's driving. I'm in the routine. I'm functioning. I'm on a productivity path. I'm doing what I should do. I'm getting shit done. I'm being a grown-up. And off or silent mode, whatever you want to call it, 
is I am experiencing my life somatically with all of myself. Like, and that get shit done priority mentality, it, the perpetual motion setting is off. And I would say like, just that visualization is like, a, it's an easy way to sh- just shut off at a certain moment of the day. And just clearly delineate that time in your own mind as like a dedicated, important part of your life, like something you have to exercise, something you actually have to push yourself to do. Um, For example, for me, one of those times is when I get into bed. Um, That's like, because it's so easy for the computer to be like, I'm just going to add that thing to the Amazon cart, or I'm just going to, I forgot to write that email. But it's like, it doesn't have to happen then. It's really about making it important, like separating those two times for yourselves. Maybe for you, it's also when you get home and you first start with your family. Like now is the time you ask yourself, what do I really want to do with all of myself? What does all of me desire? Maybe you can't even tell when you're still in the machine mode, but like there's a very different quality of time and a very different quality of memory when all of you participates in particular activities in your life. And I feel like the sum uh, rewards of those experiences is very felt at the end of going through it if you have not been distracted or if you've not been operating based on the priorities of your external programs, quote unquote. And to be clear, if you are a high functioner, this takes discipline and you really have to make the quote self time offsetting time important and I'm not trying to make your schedule harder for you it's more about setting boundaries and making true boundaries in your life um, by deliberately placing importance on your holistic wants not just your your shoulds I would say this this type of thing the offsetting thing can be done within an hour like it doesn't have to be like after 8 p.m I'm not allowed to touch my phone although I like that idea of personally but I would say like just think about it as for 15 minutes I'm just gonna have I'm gonna be set to off just that's it while I drink this smoothie (laughs) it's the only amount of time I'm just gonna be like here only here in my physical body as a challenge I would have an offsetting Sunday like the whole day and it's such a different experience it's it's like in the moment, it fi- might feel uncomfortable, like f- almost fearful to let go of routine and control. But it feels really good after the fact, like you made memories, you actually did something. It's a very different quality of presence and time. So this is about like you're building up a muscle. All right, that was a long one. The next tool is called warm space visits. Or another name I had for this is swaddle moments. So I want you to imagine yourself as a little infant and you're helpless and you're wrapped up in a little swaddle and you're cared for and you're carried around by your parent and it's so peaceful. It's like such a comfy feeling. You're just kind of like looking around at the world, being fed, being changed. It's like you can have the same feeling um, be the container of your, that is your body. Like this, you're in a little warm space. You're traveling around, floating in this body. The body carries you to different places, does all these amazing things. And in the in-between doing an action, um, let's say like, you know, you're driving to work and you just turned off your car and you're about to head into your job. 
Maybe you're standing in the elevator, whatever it is. Maybe you're washing your hands in the bathroom and you're just about to turn off the faucet. Just tune into this felt sense of being carried, being contained. Um, If it helps you, like, close your eyes and just tune into the tone of the color of your eyelids. And just, like, witness for a, a second or two. Just think of your consciousness as, like, I'm, I'm floating around in this incredible first-person experience and just step back from that machine to just witness and watch. And you can, if you have extra seconds to tune in, observe the sensations in your body in that moment. Like it's easy when it's, you know, warm water on your hands. That's a great one. Um, if you're outside, just feel the, the breeze on your skin or just the, pay attention to the sounds around you. Do this throughout the day as often as you remember to do it. And these are just like, almost like little visits to yourself, like with yourself, because that's you. That's you minus all the external programs. It's like, I'm just consciousness floating around in this being. It's kind of cool. And that just breaks up the power, I would say, of the flexed muscle that is the should consciousness, the machine mode. All right, the next tool, heart day. It's a little sappy name. Um, so <laughs> one day a week, um, if, you're, if your life is a caregiver hell, one hour a week, you are going to block out on your calendar something that your heart or all of you wants to do. And I use that term to describe the neglected emotional self. And I would encourage you to add your spouse or any other relevant party to this invite just to notify them as to what it means. And that might mean you know, your heart's deep, deepest desire is to lie in bed and watch YouTube videos. Or it might mean you want to get your nails done and go eat a pretty salad somewhere with a book. Or it might mean you're going to go to sleep one hour earlier. I don't judge it, whatever it is. I just think a starting point is like, book yourself a little holiday. I don't know what type of, um, what, what do you need right now? It's like, this sounds like something like, Oh, it takes planning and energy and I don't I mean I'll go through the motions but I'm gonna be distracted the whole time it's like this is a practice that's you have to repeat in order for it to actually be enjoyable and not stressful but that's like you're placing importance on learning a new way to, way to be and a new way to think about your life which is like I'm going to practice having fun by myself all right the next tool overcomplicator filter or another word or another name for this was knee scab filter. So I want you to ask yourself in the moments you might be making things hard on yourself, where is this coming from? Like what is motivating me right now? Is it fear and insecurity related to not feeling good enough? Like is this, is this me trying to maintain my own self-definition to myself? Or does this really matter? Is this really important? Like, will this really make a difference in anyone's life? Because I would say oftentimes we do things to the degree that we, we need to prove it to ourselves that we care enough, that we live up to X bar, like that we are dedicated enough. It's almost like we don't trust where our hearts lie. Somehow we feel like we're falling short as human beings if we don't, you know, murder ourselves, crawling on our knees to get there in the process. It's like we have to do it to the max. So ask yourself, like, am I unnecessarily crawling on my knees via this action? Like, that's a reference to martyrs. I know. I know it's kind of gross. Um, but if for everyone in the world, 
I would say we probably have a built-in tendency to over muscle things just by nature of our personality types and it often does not have to be as complicated as we make it it does not have to be as extreme as we make it at least on an everyday basis so just I'm going to hand you a little uh, club card 40% club like maybe just give it 40% this time maybe it's like a little coupon card so you can take little stamps and like mark them off like give yourself a break and just put in 40% of the typical energy like maybe once in a while. It doesn't have to be as hard as we make it on ourselves. And and maybe you know you you don't do that to yourself. Just ask yourself though in the moment like am I making this a little more difficult than it has to be? Am I making it like more perfect than it has to be? All right. My next tool, no thank you. At my son's daycare, they say no thank you to actions that um, the little kids take that they don't want them to take anymore. No thank you. And it's kind of like a nice, cute way of saying, ah, 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 which is what I say. <laughs> so I want you to do this for yourself in your life. Are there things that make you make yourself do that actually don't make you very happy? Like you actually hate them, but you find yourself doing them anyway? Like maybe you make yourself go to bar classes and they make you feel like depressed and ugly or maybe you uh, endure hitting from an unruly child um, or maybe you have like a pair of pants that are really like cut off your circulation. Um, <laughs> these are all like personal <laughs> no thank yous. Um, or maybe you sit through, you know, TV shows that you actually really don't like at all because everybody else watches them. Whatever it is. Uh, this is just an encouragement for you to opt out in that moment without self-judgment. It doesn't have to mean anything at all about you or where your heart lies or how much energy you have or how cool you are. It just means you don't enjoy that thing after all, and that's fine. So in the moment, all you need to say aloud is a polite, no thank you, uh, followed by stillness and the open-ended question, what does my heart desire instead? So all of these are really aimed at like just beginning to recognize there's a difference and allowing that voice to actually be heard. It's like you're passing the tiny little microphone to the gut and saying like, do you want to do something else? So is there something else that you'd rather be doing? Is there something else you're kind of interested in? Is there something else that like brings you joy? And if you are one of those people that's neglected yourself for so long that you have no idea what could possibly bring you any joy in your life, start by asking yourself, when, what are the moments that I've had in my life that have actually made me feel very rewarded as an individual? Like, when did I lose myself? When did I feel um, the most excited, valued, supported? So you're just looking for like these different qualities of ways of being. And then the second question to ask yourself is what things can I do to make to evoke that feeling in myself? Like, What are the types of let's say inspired? What are the types of things you can do to feel more inspired? Like when what are other times? It's like a, a process of inquiry. So I hope those are helpful. I again, they're very beginning starting points for exploration and curiosity um, and if you are finding that like your misalignment is much darker and more severe like 
it might be that you've neglected yourself for so long that it feels scary and overwhelming. If that's you, I totally, highly suggest talking to somebody professionally. I know that's like something I have a broken record about, but like it's worth exploring with a therapist. It could be just like a really, you know, dark, terrible memory that's just trapped. It could be completely unrelated to anything like about you. It could be just like, oh, I blocked a trauma. You have no idea, but it's worth investigating. And more importantly, you're skipping your whole life and you deserve to actually live it and enjoy it and remember it. So don't keep cheating yourself out of more time. Just start now. And by start, I mean just, just begin the process. So before I close, I wanted to send a huge thank you to my latest sponsors. Heidi, thank you for such a generous donation. And Lori, thank you so, so much. Sarah, thank you for the amazing donation as well. And thank you, Anthony, via Yay With Me. Thank you for the very kind donation. And for anyone else who has the means to donate to the show, I appreciate you all so much. You can head to yaywithme.com and click donate, or you can visit me on Patreon. And if you don't have the means, I totally get it. I know I have a lot of college students out there. If you guys could leave me a review on iTunes or share it, I appreciate that immensely. I love, love, love reading your reviews. Many of them uh, have made me cry, so I appreciate you very much. In closing, I wanted to leave you with a little reflection exercise. I'm going to call it like a baby oar. <laughs> like you're on a ship. It's got a giant motor. It's going and going and going. But now you have a tiny oar that you can dip into the water and just push the ship a tiny bit in a different direction. And maybe that's going to slow it down a bit. Maybe it's going to push it a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right. All right, here it is. I know it's hard to know what you want in your life when you're in a nonstop routine of managing shit. So if you get into that groove of being neck up, a machine that's just going through the motions and someone stops to ask you like, hey, what do you want more of in your life? I know it's like the answer doesn't present itself. It's like you might guess by saying a bunch of other stuff that other people want. Like, uh, I want more vacations or I want more money so I don't have to do this much work on my own. Um, or I don't know, I guess I want a trip to Paris. It's like you, you it's, these are all kind of guesses. But it's an entirely other thing to be capable of actually acting on those things and actively being capable of enjoying those things. And if you are an overachiever kind of person who is thriving on the nonstop neck up routine, you likely feel a great amount of discomfort when you are given an opportunity to relax and be selfish or just sit and be present with your loved ones. It like might feel like stressful, like you can't unflex your muscles, like you're a caged cheetah or something like that. It's like a lot of anxious energy, like, okay, okay, can is the massage done now? Like... I don't know if you can relate to that at all, but if you can, I would invite you with with this process, I would just invite you to start with a, a question mark more like, how do you want to feel in your life? Like, my answers to that question are valuable, respected, like a good mom, like a good person, loved, inspired, inspiring. So whatever those that list is, how do you want to feel in your life? Like, just after that, trace what needs uh, what needs some inner love from you. And maybe that's some therapeutic investigation. Um, and you can also trace the readily available external sources of that feeling in your life. Like, 
I always tell clients, you can work on change from the outside in or the inside out because both approaches bear results. So for example, let's say you want to feel more important. That's something you can start working on with actions from yourself. Like you can feel more important by setting better boundaries. That is how you feel more respectable when you respect yourself and your time, even if you are taking um, actions like without your heart being in it just yet. So if, if you are making your personal time more important by setting boundaries, you will feel more important eventually, even if it, at the beginning it feels like you're just faking it. I hope that makes sense. Um, another example, let's say you wanted to feel more inspired. Then you can ask yourself like, when have I felt the most inspired in my past? And maybe that was when you were, you know, cooking more foreign foods or you went to more speaking engagements or you're dressing more colorfully. Like just do some like excavation and take some notes. Because then the next question is like, how can I just take the tiniest baby step toward that similar state of being like knowing what you know now what would you add into your life that will just give you the tiny bit a couple more doses of inspiration so for me that would be I'm watching more criterion collection films or I'm going to plan out a recipe that I'm going to cook on the weekend and I know these are all just like you know I'm giving you a list of more stuff to do but it's like a large part of change is just simple awareness like often we cannot dictate the actions we will take from here because we aren't, it's not baked yet. We're not capable yet. It's not in us truly yet. And that's why I really love the process of change because it's like, it's like giving birth. Like your body knows what to do. It'll happen on its own time. You really just have to brace, you know, stop overflexing your muscles and step aside and allow it to do its thing. And if you fight it or you freak out, it hurts a lot more. <laughs> Sorry if that's gross to think about. But my point is, it's a natural process. And it's been done by millions of people for millions of years. And it will happen on its own time. But just start with awareness of, a, you know, what perhaps needs to change. Simple curiosity. What do I perhaps want more of? Make that process important. And I hope this helps you. And I send you my love. And don't forget to smile. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.